Hey everybody, welcome to the Blue Ridge Church of Christ podcast. My name is Phil Bruns. Thank you so much for taking time from your day to be with us. So have you ever been in a group of people where there's just a lot of infighting, where people aren't getting along and they're talking about each other behind their backs? It's usually not a very fun experience. Well, today we're going to get a great spiritual perspective of how to work through such things. Our lesson today entitled, Let's Get Along. So have you ever been on a team where you're just losing every game? Where you've win one every blue moon, but the team is just known for losing? What happens? Well, have you ever been watched a, a TV program, maybe one of a, the cooking shows that are out there on the Food Network that they might have a group of 10 people all trying to work together to create a really nice meal for a wedding party. But when stuff starts to go south and the burgers aren't ready, the chicken's still, still raw, the shrimp is not cooked, what starts to happen on that team? What's sometimes common in families where sometimes people aren't happy or content? Well, I think you know what happens is a lot of times there starts to be some infighting. There starts to be people pointing fingers at each other, people blaming this person or that person. Well, today we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 2, where you're going to find that this is actually very applicable during the time of Peter. We talked about last time, 1 Peter chapter 1, and his letter to disciples of Jesus that had gone out to the what we know is kind of the outskirts of, of Turkey today. But he said in verse 6 of chapter 1, he said they were suffering grief in all kinds of trials. So whatever was going on there, it wasn't great and it wasn't very fun. And that came in the context of, you know what, praise God for a living hope that comes through the resurrection of Jesus. You know, he told the, the people in, 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 in chapter 1 to be alert, to be clear-minded, and to resist evil desires of our younger years. He said to be holy as I am holy, in the words of God. Chapter end, 1 ends on the fact that, you know, people come and go, but the word of the Lord always endures, it always lasts. So it's with that in the background that we head on to chapter 2 as we read through the Bible. Uh, chapter 2 is really just a, a continuation of, of, of chapter 1. Today I'm going to read in the NET translation. And so reading in 1 Peter chapter 1, I'm sorry, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1. He continues, So get rid of all evil and all deceit and all hypocrisy and envy and all slander and yearn like newborn infants for pure spiritual milk so that by it you might grow up to salvation if you have experienced the Lord's kindness. So why would Peter write these things? Why would he tell the people to get rid of all evil, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander? Why would he write that? Well, obviously there were some people that were struggling with being deceitful. There were some people struggling with being slanderous. There were some struggling with being envious. Some that were being hypocrites. In other words, they were one way with one person and different with other people. You know, these are all relationship sins. These are all things that happen to relationships when they go south. If you have a bad sports team, 
you know, you might have one one player being slanderous to another player. I mean, we can envision how when when teams are where it's not it's just not going well, that people can kind of turn on each other and there kind of can be a, an infighting that begins, and that's exactly what's going on here, and that's why Peter writes these things. He wasn't writing about uh, you know getting drunk or impurity or other and sins that affect more ourselves. They were sins that actually were more about the relationships, and they were tearing apart the relationships these people had worked so hard to get for so long. And it's so often is what happens when life is difficult, when the pressure is on. Like I said, when on a losing team, it can be like that. Start to begin to point fingers to each other. The relationship with others can really begin to suffer. And we can begin to have bad thoughts about others when things just aren't going that well. And if you're like me, you can get into a, a downward sinkhole with the relationships where you feel like you're let down by everyone else and you start to hold grudges and you start to hold these, these feelings in towards other people. And it's just this downward spiral that's very difficult to get out. Then we begin to displace our anger. We look, we look at other, other people and have feeling against them when the truth is we're actually angry at God and we're actually low on our faith. Again, because life is getting hard, there's some difficult things and it's always hard to see God when it's difficult. It's always hard to see God on those hard days. And it's easier to have ill feelings towards other people around you Versus have, having feelings towards the very one that's trying to steal, kill, and destroy your faith. Your enemy in faith. And so our thoughts and our, and our feelings start to get, get displaced a little bit. And I think that's what's going on here with the disciples as Peter is writing to them. But whether you can relate to these exact feelings towards someone here, you know, it could be at work or at your church or at school, whether we relate to that or, or you maybe have other situations that are causing, you know, some difficulty, you know, Peter gives us three principles in chapter two that can really help us. Three principles to be able to help navigate through these difficult feelings. And I think they're applicable to any time when we are struggling a bit. He shared them with us, so I'm going to share them today with you. So we're going to read the rest of chapter 2. And Peter, you'll see that Peter's reminding them of, one, who they are and the choice they made to follow Jesus. Two, reminds them of how to live by resisting sin and taking on uh, the idea of living as an example and three, if that does lead to hardship, remember that we're only following Jesus's example. So let's start to read more farther. I'll start again in verse 4. So as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but chosen and precious in God's sight, you yourselves as living stones are built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood and to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it is written in Scripture, Look, I lay in Zion a stone, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and whoever believes in him will never be put to shame. 
so you who believe see his value. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stumbling stone and a rock to trip over. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own, so that you may proclaim the virtues of the one who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. You once were not a people, but now you are God's people. You were shown no mercy, but now you have received mercy. The first thought here, you know, Peter does remind them who they are and the choice they had made to follow Jesus. He starts out with the fulfilled prophecy of the coming of Jesus back in Psalm 118. Of look, I lay in Zion a stone, a chosen and precious cornerstone that those who believe in him will never be put to shame. Jesus is a living stone who was rejected by men, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. Isn't that so much the way it is with God? Isn't it so much that way with God where God's thinking one thing and you and I and men in general are thinking another. It does remind me of Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 and 9, where it says, Indeed, my plans are not like your plans, and my deeds are not like your deeds, says the Lord. For just as the sky is higher than the earth, so my deeds are superior to your deeds, and my plans superior to your plans. You know, and much in the way that Jesus was rejected by men then, people still today reject Jesus. But we've got to see how, you know what, our ways and God's ways many times are just not the same thing. But just as God had chosen Jesus and saw Jesus as precious, Peter is reminding these followers of Jesus that we are, in fact, our chosen people. We are living stones built up to offer worship to God through Jesus. Amongst many other things, we are a people of his own. As believers in Jesus, you used to not be a people, but now you are a people of God. Peter is reminding them of this powerful concept and it is the same as for us today. Do you think of yourself as chosen by God? Do you think of yourself as precious in God's sight? That's exactly what you are. That you are a chosen people as we follow the teachings of Jesus. Let that sink in of who you are. That you're not just another person. You, in fact, are chosen by God. You're his person. You're his guy, his girl. You belong to him. Like, how encouraging is that? And Peter's reminding the people who have this infighting going on of let me remind you of who you are before God, that you are chosen. You are the royal priesthood, a holy nation. You belong to God. You're his. But then he goes on, and we're going to see how he shifts and teaches them number two of how to live by resisting sin and taking on the idea of living as an example. 
in verse 11, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to keep away from fleshly desires that do battle against the soul and maintain good conduct among the non-Christians so that though they now malign you as wrongdoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God when he appears. Be subject to every human institution for the Lord's sake, whether to a king as supreme or to governors as those he commissions to punish wrongdoers and praise those who do good. For God wants you to silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. Live as free people, not using your freedom as a pretext for evil, but as God's slaves. Honor all people. Love the family of believers. Fear God and honor the king. Slaves, be subject to your masters with all reverence, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are perverse. For this finds God's favor, if because of conscience towards God, someone endures hardship and suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if you sin and are mistreated and endure it? But if you do good and suffer and so endure, this finds favor with God. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to keep away from fleshly desires that do battle against the soul. You know, we need a clear view of our sinful natures. What do you think your enemy is trying to do to you? What part of, of you is, is he trying to get? What part is he trying to distract? Where is he trying to lie? Is he saying to you, you know what, it's not so bad? Is he saying to you, you can't overcome this? Is he saying to you something like, everyone is struggling in that area? You know, so it's okay for you. Or he's saying, you know what, it's someone else's fault. Where is your enemy lying to you? What is he trying to do to you? I can assure you that he is trying to destroy your faith. I can assure you he is trying to steal your faith. I can assure you he is trying to even kill your faith. That is John 10, verse 10, the words of Jesus. But just today, how is he lying to you today? Do you view the temptations that try to get you to fall as a battle for your soul? You know, Peter did. Peter totally did. And I think that's why he urges them to stay righteous, to do good, and to live as free people. But to use that freedom to honor God, not to just go do whatever you want it to do. But use it to honor God, to be obedient even when it is hard to do so. Even when you're tired. Even when you're angry, he calls us to live in a way to honor the king. We need that clear view of our sinful natures, that actually sin is alive and well in us. And even though it could be forgiven, even though it can be worked on and improved on, still we have some heart sins in us that we do get unrighteously angry. We do have impure thoughts. We do have impure actions. We do have those things that plague us. And Satan is lying to you about it in somehow, some way. And I think that's why Peter just very clearly says to stay away from those fleshly desires that are doing battle for your soul. Because if we can have a good handle of that, of our sinful natures. 
well then perhaps we can even see better that actually it's the example of Jesus Christ that is set for us. I'll continue reading in verse 21. For to this you were called, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving an example for you to follow in his steps. He committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. When he was maligned, he did not answer back. When he suffered, he threatened no retaliation, but committed himself to God who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might cease from sinning and live for righteousness. By his wounds you were healed, for you were going astray like sheep, but now you have turned back to the shepherd and the guardian of your souls. At the end here, Peter just reminds them of what Jesus did for them. You know, I think as he wrote this, he may have been remembering back to that moment. You know, do you ever tell a story from, you know, a long time ago? And it's just kind of in your mind. You think back to what it was like, the fun that you had, the joy that was there, or the sadness or the sorrow. Was it raining? Was it sunny? You think back to those long times and in a small way relive that story. And I think that's exactly what's going on here with Peter. And the funny thing about Peter is when he tells his story is, you know, if you know the story of the cross and Peter's role as Jesus uh, was arrested and then was handed over and was crucified, Peter's story in that is actually all pretty bad. And, of course, it followed just uh, preceding all of that was the thought and comment of Jesus, I'm going to hang with you for all time. I'm not going anywhere. These people will not do anything with you. Peter saying, I, Jesus, I've got your back. Nothing's going to happen to you. When, in fact, Peter would be the one that would slice the ear off of one of those there to arrest Jesus. Peter would say, Jesus, I'm not going to deny you. When in fact he would not deny Jesus, knowing Jesus, not once, not twice, but actually three times in just a short span of time. And then he would leave Jesus hanging. That seems like that's more actually more of a story of defeat for Peter. But as we read this, this is actually a story that Peter is sharing of victory. I wonder for Peter, that was a bit of a mantra for him. He himself bore his sins on the body on the tree that we might cease from sinning and live for righteousness. By his wounds you are healed. For you are going astray like sheep, but now you have turned back to the shepherd and the guardian of the souls. That kind of describes Peter's life. Peter saw it. He was there. He saw Jesus' suffering. He saw Jesus' example in not retaliating against those who whipped him and beat him and arrested him. He saw Jesus' wounds that healed not only him, but the disciples of that time and heals us today. Peter saw it. We need to remember that today and remember it every day. That is the example that Jesus set for us. And instead of trying to find blame or pointing fingers at others or ignoring relational challenges or pretending that all is good when it's not, maybe you have other challenges going on, take these three things to heart. 
we should remember who you are as a follower of Jesus. Remember that the choice you made in making Jesus your Lord and following Jesus. We should take on the idea of resisting sin, but not just the idea, but the actual resistance of the sin and living as an example. And finally, we should take on remembering Jesus' righteousness as he endured the wounds of the cross. You know, just as it was for the readers of Peter's letter back in the first century, it is now for us. You know, these are the very things that can help us move forward in our faith, move forward in our relationship, and help us move forward as we grow closer to God. I hope that was helpful, and if you liked it, would like to hear more, please don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast. And if you're in the Charlottesville, Virginia area and would like to stop in and visit us on a Sunday service, please send us a note or visit our website at blueridgedisciples.org for more information.